Taiwan reported for 14 local COVID cases on Friday. Ten of the cases are part of a new cluster infection at a tech factory in New Taipei, Shuling District. More than 900 employees have been tested and investigations are underway to find a source of the cluster. Over in Jilong, another cluster was detected involving several police officers. One of them had been in close contact with Mayor Lin Chang at an awards ceremony on Thursday. 2596是一位警察的同仁 Case number 22596 is a police officer. His colleagues were called up for testing and one of them was positive. The one who tested positive had attended an award ceremony in Jilong last night. He received an award and was in close proximity with Marilyn Youcheng. They both pulled off their masks to take a photograph. My suggestion, of course, is that Lin should get tested first of all. Then we suggest that he isolate at home for three days and get tested again. At 3 p.m. on Friday, the Geelong man left City Hall to isolate at home for three days. Earlier, he had received news that he had been in close proximity with an infected police officer at an awards ceremony the previous evening. He and the COVID patient had taken off their masks briefly for a photograph. Although they did not spend enough time together to grant full isolation, Lin says he will abide by the strictest COVID protocols. At about 1 p.m., the latest PCR test results were released. The head of an investigation team was diagnosed. I had presented him with an award last night. Although we were in contact for just a few seconds, I will abide by the strictest COVID guidelines. Over at this factory in New Taipei, employees sit on the ground as they wait to get tested. Staff from New Taipei City Hospital have set up a test site in the factory grounds after a new cluster infection was detected at this plant in Shulin District. Last night, it was reported that a migrant worker at a tech firm in Shulin District had tested positive for COVID. We traced his contacts and tested them. We tested everyone in his dorm and all colleagues working on the same floor as him. That's a total of 208 people. The results came out at 9 a.m. today, showing nine more COVID cases. We tested another 910 people today. After testing is over, employees will have to present proof of a negative COVID test before being allowed to work. In their time off, they were near their dormitories in New Taipei, and some went to Taoyuan. Some presented CT values of 30 or more. We will administer another PCR test to those with CT values at 30 or more and test them for antibodies so as to establish where the cluster originates from. Over in Zhanghe District, an employee at a manufacturing company was diagnosed with COVID. Could these all be signs of a big outbreak to come? It's hard to say. We can't rule out the possibility. But right now, we're not seeing indications of that. New Taipei Mayor Ho Yo Yi stressed that the cluster infection only involved people infected in dorms and in the workplace. He added that the case in Zhonghe was an isolated incident. Two top Taiwan diplomats were recently featured on international media outlets weighing in on the impact of the Russo-Ukrainian war on cross-strait affairs. In an interview with a Canadian news outlet, Foreign Minister Joseph Wu says that after Ukraine, China will think twice before launching an invasion on Taiwan. He says economic sanctions like those imposed on Moscow are a big deterrent for Beijing. 
Meanwhile, Taiwan's representative to Washington, Xiao Bi Kim, says Ukraine's determination and resilience against Russia has reinforced Taiwan's commitment to defend its freedom. Last month, Russia launched an unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. Over the days that followed, more than 8,000 kilometers away, thousands of Taiwanese took to the streets in protest. A photograph of a rally on March 13th has made it on an international news outlet. It was an op-ed on the Washington Post written by Taiwan's representative to the U.S., Xiaobi Kim. In it, Xiao says distance has not prevented the Taiwanese people from standing in solidarity with Ukraine. Xiao says that although Taiwan and Ukraine have different historical and geopolitical situations, one common point stands out. Both Ukraine and Taiwan have been well aware of the dangers of living next to a hostile and authoritarian neighbor. Xiao adds that the similarities make many Taiwanese feel for what the Ukrainians are going through. The representative reiterated that no matter what Beijing says, it is an irrefutable reality that Taiwan has never been part of the People's Republic of China. She stressed that the future of Taiwan must be determined peacefully and democratically, adding that any invasion attempts from China would not break the solidarity and resilience of the Taiwanese people. If the Chinese government misjudges the situation and arbitrarily takes military action against Taiwan, it will certainly pay a heavy price. And it's not just Xiao drawing a connection between the two countries. During an interview with a Canadian media outlet, Foreign Minister Joseph Wu discussed the impact of the Russo-Ukrainian war on the Taiwan Strait. A headline from Canada's The Globe and Mail reads, Taiwan predicts China will think twice about military invasion after watching Ukraine. In the report, Taiwan's foreign minister says Taiwan has noted how Ukraine, as an underdog, has managed to prevent Russia's superior military from quickly taking over the country. Wu adds that the fighting spirit of Ukrainians and severe economic sanctions should give pause to Beijing's determination to use military force to gain control over Taiwan. The diplomat added that China's leadership has to consider that it could face similar sanctions if it deploys the PLA to Taiwan. He says such economic sanctions would be a strong deterrent for China from launching a military attack on Taiwan. Firstly, Taiwan wants to show the world that it has the determination and capabilities to defend itself and its sovereignty. Secondly, Taiwan hopes that, in addition to imposing sanctions on Russia, the international community will also stand in solidarity with Taiwan to counter China's ambitions for a forceful invasion of Taiwan. I believe that at this point in time, expressing these positions can help Taiwan obtain support from the international community. Taiwan's top diplomats have called on countries around the world not just to see Taiwan, but to form a democratic alliance to stand on Taiwan's side. A proposal to lower the voting age to 18 cleared the legislative yuan on Friday in a vote of 109 to 0. The constitutional amendment will now enter a public notice period of six months. The amendment will have to be approved in a referendum in the latter half of the period before it can come into effect. If more than 50 percent of the electorate votes in favor, 18-year-olds will have the right to vote as early as the 2024 general elections. A bill to revise the voting age down to 18 was finally on the table at the Legislative Yuan on Friday. It called for a historic amendment to the Constitution with high thresholds to clear. At least three-quarters of lawmakers or 85 lawmakers had to be present at the session. And of those in attendance, at least three-quarters had to vote in favor of the bill. The DPP, the Taiwan People's Party and the New Power Party had all previously expressed support for the bill. But altogether, they totaled just 69 lawmakers. That made the vote from the 39 KMT lawmakers crucial for the bill to pass. 
，民进党是这一次修宪的阿信，得来不易的民主的成果，这是得来不易的。The KMT accused the DPP of causing many violent incidents due to constitutional amendments, but in the end, the KMT voted in favor of lowering the voting age to 18. We have been distrustful of the DPP in the past. But today, after much discussion, the KMT decided to support amending the constitution to lower the voting age to 18. 18-year-olds can vote all around the world. Let's all do our bit to amend the constitution. We're looking forward to it, but also a little afraid. The bill cleared the legislative yuan and will now enter a notice period of six months. In the last three months of the period, it must be put to a national referendum, and more than half of all voters must vote in favor of the amendment. That's at least 9.65 million yes votes. If approved, people as young as 18 will be allowed to vote in elections, recalls, initiatives, and referendums, as well as run for election. It would also be Taiwan's eighth constitutional amendment ever. The previous time an amendment was passed was 16 years ago, in 2005, which cut the number of members in the legislative yuan in half and raised thresholds for passing constitutional amendments. Whether this move to lower the voting age will become reality is now on the hands of Taiwan's electorate. Numerous reports in recent years have highlighted China's attempts to poach high-tech talent from Taiwan. The Legislative Yuan's Internal Affairs Committee passed a first reading of an amendment on Thursday that would impose heavier punishment on Chinese firms that violate Taiwan's regulations. Proposed punishments include up to three years imprisonment and a fine of up to 15 million NT dollars, as well as a fine of up to 25 million NT dollars for Taiwanese headhunters that help Chinese firms poach talent. Let's hear from the Mainland Affairs Council Minister. It's aimed at those engaged in business activities in Taiwan without permission who evade Taiwan's regulations. If you poach talent related to the country's core technologies and evade regulations, then you are causing harm to Taiwan's national security, economic interests, and industrial competitiveness. DPP legislator Luo Meiling says the investigation bureau has uncovered 33 cases of talents poaching since the end of 2020. In 19 of those cases, the poaching was committed by Taiwanese firms. In 11 cases, by Hong Kong companies, and in three cases, by privately established research centers and offices in Taiwan. In just over a year, nearly 600 tech sectors talents have been poached by China, she said. Nanto is famous for its wonderful crops, not least of which is its excellent coffee. Now, a stall near Provincial Highway 21 has launched the coffee egg, a new specialty. It uses the fabulous local coffee to get a stronger, deeper flavor than a typical tea egg, and the eggs themselves are unique too. Let's check it out. Coffee beans grown in Nanto's Guoxing Township are ground to a fine powder and sprinkled on these gigantic goose eggs. This is new coffee blend, also mixed with milk. Then we use coffee powder and then coffee blend. The perfect ratio of coffee powder and beans is prepared to give these goose eggs the best possible accompaniment. They're three times as big as a normal chicken egg, and they're stewed until the white is coffee-colored. Its egg white is this thick. Wow. The enormous size of the eggs means they're a much more filling meal than your average tea egg. 
I'm full from just one. They're very big. At weekends, in the morning rush, when there are lots of motorcyclists and bike riders, we can easily sell 100 to 200 eggs. The Guoxing Goose coffee egg has become a local specialty. Lots of cyclists and bikers appear at the stall, having heard rumor of the delicious snack. The producer says his sales record is 350 eggs in one day. A local home appliances association says prices of electronics may go up in May amid the ripple effect the war in Ukraine has on material prices. Recently, air conditioning firm Daikin Industry announced it will raise prices by 3.7 percent starting April. It follows a rise of $520 per aircon unit by electronics firm Panasonic in February. Port congestions and a global chip shortage have sent electronic prices rising since last year. Among them was German home appliance maker Bosch, which raised prices by 3% for the first time in 10 years. Taiwan brand Senlox also adjusted its prices last year, with an average hike of 4% across its product line. A magnitude of 6.6 earthquake on Wednesday has renewed attention to the seismic resistance on buildings around Taiwan. According to a former Central Weather Bureau official, buildings with fewer than seven stories tend to be more damaged in bigger sudden jots. But according to a civil engineer, the height of the building does not matter as much as its age, especially if it was built before building codes got stricter. Following Wednesday's 6.6 earthquake in Hualien, aftershocks continue to shake Taiwan. In a social media post on Friday, former Central Weather Bureau Director General Xin Zaitin argued that buildings with up to seven floors are more easily damaged in sudden strong earthquake. He compared the situation to small vessels in rough seas, which capsize more easily than larger vessels. But one civil engineer in Taipei says the size of the building is not the main factor to watch out for. It might be because those are all older structures. For example, buildings built before the 1999 GG earthquake were all built according to the regulations established before the earthquake. Back then, the regulations weren't as strict as they are now, so they are at a greater risk of damage from earthquakes. Commenting on Taipei specifically, the former CWB official said that since the city is in a basin where the geological makeup is weaker, the effect of earthquakes is amplified and their duration is lengthened. The shaking is especially magnified in taller buildings when the resonance of the earthquake matches the natural oscillation of the structure. From past experience, the earthquake's resonance often matches that of floors between the 10th and 15th floor, roughly around the 12th floor. When the resonances match, you get the greatest degree of oscillation. The former CWB officials said that although large buildings are generally safe, they can be compromised in an earthquake if built on geographically weaker land and in cases of soil liquefaction. President Tsai Ing-wen attended the opening ceremony of the 2022 Taiwan International Orchid Show in Tainan on Friday. During her opening remarks, Tsai said that one-third of the orchids produced worldwide are grown in Taiwan. She said the orchid is a great source of pride for Taiwan and a link between Taiwan and the world. Let's hear what she said. One third of the world's orchids come from Taiwan. In 2020, orchid cultivation accounted for 986 hectares of land in Taiwan and generated 6.3 billion NT in output. 
I will absolutely work to ensure Taiwan maintains its place as a leader in orchid cultivation. 台湾国际兰展已经暌违两年了。其实，不管是当地的民众，或是许多兰花的爱好者，或是许多市民朋友们 ，It's already been two years since Taiwan last held the International Orchid Show. Everyone from locals to flower enthusiasts to residents of the city are looking forward to the event. This year's orchid show will have seven exhibit areas focusing on the flowers, each with a different theme. Organizers have used creative technologies to create environments such as an underwater world or a forest with a waterfall in the mountains. They encourage the public to check out the show and enjoy the beauty of Taiwan's orchids. Let's now take a look at the foundation that seeks to help migrant workers and their families. The Harmony Home Foundation is the only nonprofit in Taiwan that provides accommodation and education to the children of migrant workers. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang met up with the founder Nicole Yang to find out more. Colorful paintings fill the walls. They were drawn by six-year-olds who are looked after by the Harmony Home Foundation in Taipei. Over 100 artworks and photographs are on display at this exhibition until March 28th. For this exhibition, for the children, just the, the, the arts, the paintings, and also the photos, we just want to show out and one of the people to accept the kids who are migrant children. They have life. With human rights,、uh, so we wish everybody can respect them, they understand them. There are currently about 700,000 migrant workers in Taiwan. Seeing the difficulties that many migrant workers face, Nicole Yang founded Harmony Home Foundation in 2011. Her foundation is the only in Taiwan that serves the children of migrant workers. At present, it helps about 700 such children, providing medical treatment, accommodation, education, and more. The organization is also a halfway home for children whose parents are unable to look after them. We provide the children in Taiwan, and we we provide the 24-hour daily care until the day、uh, mother wants to go home, then they will take the baby home. We have a shelter provide for the. Uh, the 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 school kids.、Uh, we are the only one provide a shelter for the children who are migrant kids. Aside from providing care for children, the foundation also helps migrant workers who are pregnant, victims of sexual or human trafficking, or migrants who have nowhere else to live. The foundation also runs a care center for people with HIV/AIDS. The taking care of the kids just、uh, it's about the、uh, 1997. Have a Catholic priest that come to me, ask me to taking care of the migrants and the foreigners who are in suffering. So it's about 24, 25 years mission for working for the foreigners. But、uh, about、uh, 14 years ago,、uh, start have a、uh, children and、uh, women's pregnant women's from immigration ask me help. Uh, well, our basic work is taking care of HIV patients. So we still have taking care of about 100 cases who have HIV/AIDS. Yang has dedicated 25 years of her life to helping others. She hopes to help more migrant workers and vulnerable people, and to provide them with a safe and loving home. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lu Botong in Taipei. Meanwhile, Shinju is gearing up for its annual children's art festival. This year's theme is the universe, and lots of astronaut-related fun is on the agenda. 
gigantic space-themed fun facilities will be set up. And Mayor Lin Zhijian says he wants to inspire children to imagine space travel. The city also has an official hotel promotion to entice more families to make a weekend of it. A unique rocket stage is set for the acrobatic troupe in silver astronaut costume. A variety show, special tricks and dance create an immersive performance, taking the young audience on a fantastic interstellar adventure. The 2022 Shinju Children's Art Festival kicks off on April 1st. The theme is the universe. Six original fun zones made of 140 mirrors will cover nearly 500 square meters, letting kids traverse the skies. We want kids to be able to imagine this idea of going up into space. So it's like we're playing a game on our mobile and you have to get to the next level, zone after zone. Shinzu Mayor Lin Zijian played with little astronauts at the launch event to promote the festival. He was also publicizing a new One Night in Shinju promotion. Eleven hotels are involved, alongside free tickets to the zoo and limited numbers of free souvenirs. We're working with lots of hotel partners. Come to Shinju for a stay in a hotel, and there's a discount as well as free pork balls and rice noodles. The Wind Playground at Zuan in Shinju. See you there. Lin is hoping families will choose his city for the children's day-long weekend for an exciting trip into the imagination.